Good morning, Grace. Hi, good morning. <laughs> Welcome to you and our listeners and today's episode of Can You See What I See? It's Vicky Scott here and today my co-host Grace Hart and I want to have a chat about, well, is it a need or is it being needy? Mm. So, Grace, what do you <laughs> think about this, eh? What do I think about it? <laughs> yeah. um, oh, my goodness. Well, you know, for me, there's a really big difference between need and needy. And, you know, I talk about domestic violence a lot and um, the parts, you know, how you can dissociate and have disenfranchised parts with trauma. And uh, when you're in a part, that's when you're doing needy. And need is more like you need water. You know, you need to, to drink water, otherwise you'll die. So you're not needy. You're like, oh, I wish I could have some water. I'm really, you know, it's got a, needy's got a kind of like a real suction energy to it, and um, and you know, it's 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 super interesting because I've been looking at this a fair bit from relation to the parts, and in in trauma we talk about um, different attachment styles, and there's the you know there's the anxious, the avoidant, and the secure, and and I can see how parts are related to that as well like you have you'll have a part that's hypervigilant for example that's always looking around at what could go wrong and you know that's a part and usually hypervigilant parts are needy <laughs> you know they, they mm. just want to feel safe secure and supported and yeah so basically you know need is um it doesn't have a wine to it it doesn't have clutter to it it's just i need this i require this mm. and it's clean and um, but needy has all that whiny pull um, and the innate belief that they don't have it or can't have it or create it for themselves. Mm. No, I, I, since I've been thinking about things a lot more in recent years, I guess <laughs> it's yeah, it's I guess it's that thing about just getting older and having more time mm. to just notice the difference between these things. But you know, as I've said before, you know, we, not just my generation, I still can still see kids these days being born and not really understanding that there is, there are some basic needs that we all have, but we're not necessarily given a vocabulary around it. Sounds like a cracked record, doesn't it? But <laughs> I, I have become very aware that it's very it's not so easy for many of us to express those basic needs and especially in the way you just spoke about grace about well I just need water you know I mean that's very much part of the physical nurturing of us it's a basic need we we all have that um for, I'm talking about food water exercise all those sorts of things but there are many other basic needs we all have uh, and I think we've talked about them on, on previous things but to me it always comes back to um, getting clear and, and you and you've helped me a lot in terms of you know when I ask you a question oh Grace I'm, I'm having a bit of difficulty with this you know I, um, I'm, I'm probably feeling a bit needy right now and needy you know when I looked at what what needy actually means I looked it up and it it taught one there are two meanings really but one is lacking the necessities of life and, and being very poor and the other one is insecure and needing emotional support mm. so and I, I really get what you know when you said to me Vic no that's not being needy you have a need yeah, like when, when we mm. when we got on the phone this morning, you said, "Oh, I've, you know, I've got something that I'd like to chat with either before or after," and that's not needy. <laughs> it's 
it was like mm. I have a, I, it was like I have a need to get clarity on this. I'd like to know what it is. I'd like to know what's going on. I'd like to know if I can change it. And it didn't have a wonk to it. It didn't have a weirdness to it or, a, you know, a, a, from an energetic point of view, it was clean. There wasn't a suction, like, need, you know, sucking, needy, um, that sort of vampire energy that a lot of um, people in trauma, you know, they'll become quite narcissistic. Um, it's a survival thing um, that, that the parts it make it all about themselves because that's just when you're in survival brain, it is all about you, <laughs> you know, you, to get... Mm. get get away from the bear or you know what's attacking you so it's uh, it's a very mm. me 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 energy and um that's the needy you know but when where you came from was oh this is happening i'm a creator i'm a generator i don't actually choose to have this to keep happening so what is it you know what can we do mm. with this yeah yeah and that was a need yeah. a need to to change it <laughs> yeah a demand well, thank in your you. world yeah. Thank you. You you gave me a very different perspective um, from what I ha- had before that. Um, and one of the other things I looked at, well, what does it mean to be needy? And one thing that um, I saw in reading about it was that anxiety and constant worrying can leave you feeling needy and insecure, and which, of course, causes problems in our relationships as well. And um, I can you? We've talked a lot about parts and when we dissociate, and and often we'll think that, you know, we haven't had, unless we've really understood what trauma and the impacts of trauma are, mm. we we think it has to be some violent experience or some dramatic experience. But as we've said before, it's not what happens; it's what. Uh, has happened within our bodies as a result of what happened. Yeah, it's your experience that, of, of whatever it is that happened. You know, two people can get raped and one person can have PTSD and their whole life is destroyed and another person can um, use it, use that energy and end up being, you know, a, an amazing spokesperson for, you know, um, self-help or whatever. So, and same with like my car accident, I broke, you know, had 48 brakes and I remember going into the physio in the hospital and there was this person that was really, really down. And I, I had been um, out of hospital for a while but coming in every day for physio. And yeah. um, so I, I was, you know, dressed. <laughs> I wasn't in a gown. And mm-hmm. this person next to me was just having such a hard time. And so, I, you know, I was just sort of um, helping him, like just – and then he says, oh, you, you just don't understand. You know, you've only got a broken ankle. And what he didn't realise was the only thing that was cast on me was my ankle, but all the other brakes had pins and plates and were hidden by lots of scars. <laughs> mm. And um, and I didn't say anything, but the physio said, oh, no, no, Grace has broken pretty much every bone. <laughs> and, mm. um, and this guy was just like, what? You know, how come you're not mm. depressed and how come you're not? But interestingly enough, I do believe that, you, you know, we talked about it before, but it can be something small or something large, but you just react differently to it. But it also stacks. So if you've had a bad birth and then you've had a little scare and then, you know, something weird happened, at, you know, with a friend or got upset and, you know, it all stacks. And then you had a car accident. Sometimes you can just end up with, you know, PTSD and you're like, why? Why have I got trauma? Why have I got PTSD? You know, nothing really happened but it's just this mm. little stacking. So, yeah, it can happen a lot. And just the pandemic alone, just that is, is enough to mm. create trauma in a lot of people. Yeah. Well, 
I think you talked about it too, that uh, I think was it anxiety you read that it was supposed to be the next pandemic? That because oh, it was of, because a, of it the was a of interview with Ricky Gervais and um, and he he talked about that the next pandemic and I can't remember the word now that he used but uh, I think it I think it might have been anxiety or something like that but um, yeah and for me it's trauma you know that the we're we're going to see a lot we already have it um, but we're going to see it more and more now um, yeah you know, so the sooner we become a trauma informed society the better. And, you know, talking about like the parts, for example, and it's not to bring the parts significance, it's just to recognise what's going on. Like you go to a doctor, you get an x-ray and that x-ray lets you know this is what's going on. And you go, great, you know, this is really useful information. And so same, yeah. with, same with the parts, you know, and so for me it's not about bringing significance to them. However, recognise, you know, when you're in parts, do you have a needy part? Do you have a hypervigilant part? You know, w- when you are not being you, what does that, how does that demonstrate and if you can actually come to the point of acknowledging it's not you, these are trauma parts. This is like pressing play in a, you know, on a recording or a cassette or whatever it is. I mean, now we don't mm. have that, but <laughs> yeah, you know, that's mm. what it is. That the part is a is an is a creation, and it usually comes from a need that hasn't been fulfilled, and um, and whether it's a need for safety, security or support, but that's, that's how they get bred into your psyche. And, um, you know, mm. I remember um, there was this conversation around, <coughs> excuse me, um, there was this lady who had a child that was incredibly needy because of a divorce and just really like when she'd come home, he'd be like right at the door and, and she's like, oh my gosh. And, and so, we, you know, she learnt about the, those attachment styles and she was an avoidant style so anyone that was needy mm. she was like oh get away from me it's too much because she's on overwhelm herself in overwhelm mm. Mm. and then the child was like I don't get enough time with you so it's anxious and, mm-hmm. and we do this for a relationship too guys listening in <laughs> you know mm-hmm. um, I used to go for the um, the anxious style and really what I um, needed from a not a neediness was to choose a secure style but secure styles to an anxious style feels really boring <laughs> or not that important, mm. you know. And um, anyway, that's a whole other, whole other conversation really around the attachment styles. But, but what happened with this lady is her counsellor said to her, okay, the next time you go home and he comes running to the door and he's really needy, she said, just put your bags down, look him in the eye and just say hi. Can you feel the energy changing? Just with me being that energy, that's it's presence. That's what I got just then, well, it's presence too, but it's also I felt the spaciousness that's around, right. yeah, yeah, which allows something new to, to come, come in. Doesn't exactly, it? beautifully said. Mm. And so this is what this person did, and um, and it was only like twenty seconds or something that she looked in into his eyes and just was present, and um, and then just on with the day anyway this this lady she was she was like oh my god he didn't come up to me for the whole day like the whole day he just he just went off and did his own thing and that was highly unusual for her and her relationship with this child so mm-hmm. you know just giving that part so it would have been that that part was like mama's home mama's home mama's home i need needy 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 you know runs to the door and then the, she's got the avoidant which is like oh god i can hear him running to the, do- the door and avoid and avoid and avoid and avoid and just keep going just keep going and she chose to deliver a different energy which was one 
of presence, you know, um, security. Mm. And mm. it's like you're secure. And as soon as he got that energy of everything's secure, but what mm. would normally happen is he would get avoidant mum. And, um, you know, I know for myself actually, with, you know, with one of my kids, he would pick the most inopportune time to ask for a hug or, you know, anything from me. It would be like I've mm. just sat down to eat or I'm doing the dishes or, you know, the, and, um, and when I was getting counselling and I spoke about this, she said you'll tend to pick situations where you know you will be refused because that's safe. Oh, and I was what do you like, mean about safe? Well, because you don't – it brings me back to that meme that I saw where there's this woman in the ocean and this dolphin's swimming up to her really happily and she's swimming away from it terrified because she thinks it's a shark. And uh, I understand. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, when, when we're not – when you are a devoidant, which I was, my, all my parts were – when they were in the driver's seat, was a devoidant personality. It's like, get away from me, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Yeah, if anyone kind – uh, would would approach me i i don't know that it's terrifying to me mm. and what i do know is being ignored and treated badly so yeah. so i will choose because you want to be close to your mom and you want to be close to the people that you do genuinely love but you'll pick times where they can't really give to you if that makes sense because yeah. you're an avoidant yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I'm kind of throwing yeah. in lots of terms here, but it's, it's interesting when you know it. And so if you can recognise, you know, your husband or wife or kid has come home and they're, they're, they are, they've left the building and who's walked in is a part and a needy part, if you actually mm. are present with that needy part, um, it can just disappear and melt instantly. It's when you try to avoid yeah. it or, just, or, you know, don't receive it or not in allowance of it, that's when you get into trouble. Yeah, yeah, but it is a whole different yeah. conversation because you can't make you can't be um, controlled by those people either. So you yeah, know, I want to talk some more about that at another time because there's yeah. lots in that that I think I would like to unpick, <laughs> <laughs> especially when you talked about those. Um, what did you call them? Attachment, Attachment styles. styles. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. No, I think we might do. One on that, but one one thing that I also looked at um, in terms of well, what are the signs of us perhaps being too needy, and and it can be with our partner or or with our kids or something too. But those the behaviours that come as a result of that are very toxic, aren't they? Well, uh, they're not, not good not for either you. party. Yeah, you're not being you. Yeah. So you're ne- you're never going to, as long as you have a part in the driver's seat, you are never going to actually be free, or have possibilities show up. All you can have is the life that the part is controlling into existence. Mm. Yeah, because one of the signs of being too needy is losing that sense of self. Yeah. It's so you, so you, you're out of the driver's seat. You're out of the driver's seat. So a part's in it. In the driver's seat. No, exactly, oh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and you and and another one is that you have a desperate need of constant reassurance. Um, yeah, because it's the belief of the parts that they're not enough, never will be enough, and depending yeah. depending on what the narrative is, because you can have a part that's you know it's a sad part. So if if something gets triggered and th- that hops into the driver's seat, then the person just instantly becomes sad. You know, and oh. and because it's blended, it's it feels like that person's sad, but they're not. 
and you know ah, that yes mm. yeah well that was one of my things because I took on that thing about being sad yeah. and I couldn't work it out because <laughs> at a head level it sort of didn't sort of it just it felt incongruent I guess with what was really going on for me but I kept wanting to cry about something and yeah um you know, and, and then one of the things you helped me with was that, oh, okay, so that sadness is just a signpost that I'm releasing something else. And that was quite freeing for me, you know, because it was almost like you're grieving an old way of being or, um, yeah. and, and how important it is. I'm not saying, you know, I know you, and you're always saying this about you need to acknowledge the sadness, but also be willing to welcome in the new. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like we asked you lots of questions um, in relation to, you know, what is it, sadness or is it something else? And you're like, oh, it's something else. And I was just like, oh, well, what is it? And you said, oh, it's a release. And I said, okay, cool. So, and then, you know, through questions, you can get your own awareness. And, and what you got was, wow, um, I choose sadness as a signpost to when I'm releasing something. And so when you, when you acknowledge that, like, oh, okay, when you acknowledge it and go, okay, does that work for me anymore? Do I really want to choose that or what else can I choose? And, um, and then that's when you moved into another choice rather than having sadness be the signpost. And it can be as quick as that. I think that took like, I don't know, 20 seconds or something for you to <laughs> come up with that. <laughs> but let me tell you, that 20 seconds changed my world. So <laughs> well, questions, <laughs> questions do that, you know, and that's the yeah. gift. You know, whereas we tend to – people, when they say, oh, I'm feeling sad – um, you know, people that are trying to help tend to just give their points of views. Oh, oh, I'm sorry you're sad or, you know, they validate it instead of asking a question. And one of the first questions is, you know, well, it's a tool from Access Consciousness, but does it belong to you? Mm. You know, does this sadness even belong to you? Because a lot of times we pick things up that don't even belong to us. Yay. And when we're doing needy, um, I can guarantee you, you're a part. You're not being you. Ah. And, the, and the really tricky thing is, when you feel something, like, like for example, you felt the sadness, it's so yeah. easy to then conclude it's mine. It's in my body. I feel it. It must be real yeah. and true. And how can it belong to somebody else? You know, so but mm. when, you, when you start to recognise these parts, because when you're being you, you don't have a neediness. You get you're a creator and it's just about, you know, what do I want to generate and create? Acknowledge what's not working and what else can I choose? But mm. when you're doing the needy or the hypervigilance or the upset or the trauma or the drama, these are all your parts. And one of the things I do say is if you can't change something, chances are it's part on part. Because as you, as ah. you start to develop... Um, you know, you can do it through part part work or you can do it through a, a, lots of different ways. But when you start to um, become aware of the personality and, and recognise that those parts aren't you, they're just how you've been brought up or indoctrinated or whatever, then mm. you, the more you start to get clarity on these parts, the more you'll realise who you truly are, you know. And I would go so far as to say that when you're being you, that, it, there is no, there's just a spaciousness that you talked about just before, you know, when I was giving Yay. the example of the lady and her son. Mm. That is true for us. That space that she chose in that moment to be with her son is available 24-7. 
because mm. she was being her. She she wasn't identifying with her personality mm. of avoiding attachment. She wasn't mm. um, making significant her points of views on, oh, God, I just, you know, he keeps coming and I just need space and I can't change, you know, all her, whatever her languaging was. She None of that. She just gave it absolutely no significance and it was just this absolutely spacious, no point of view, total allowance and I'm going to try – and curiosity. She was like, okay, I'll try it. I'll try this. Mm. <laughs> and You know, uh, that has a, a, has a real excitement to it, doesn't it? Because it brings possibility with it rather than conclusion about, oh, okay, everything's so bad and when this gets fixed or when this stops, then it'll be much better. Yeah, I, um, I always say – I always give the example of a date. So let's just say that there's these two people that are truly, you know, destined to be, <laughs> you know, like as in they're really good for each other and it's, it's going to be an awesome, awesome relationship. If, yeah. they, if one of them sat down, well, they both sat down to dinner and one of them was in conclusion, and it might be gratitude conclusion, but as well, like in other words, I'm so grateful I found you, but I'm concluding you're the one. I'm concluding we'll yeah. get married in so many weeks. I'm concluding that we'll have, you know, three children. And, and the boys' names are this or whatever. How much fun now is that beautiful <laughs> union? You know, it's like you, you can really destroy something magnificent just by having even positive conclusions because it just takes, mm. the, it takes the curiosity, it takes the miraculousness out of it. You know, that's interesting because I think – that can also contribute to why there's so much depression and anxiety around because we have taken on a belief or whatever else it is in different individuals' cases about life has to look a certain way in order for us to feel successful. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So You you could have stopped it as life has to look a certain way. I mean, I'm guilty of it too. It's like, I'll receive love if it looks like this. You know, it was a very common thing when I was, uh, uh, you know, initially having the PTSD and all the stuff that went with that. Um, Yeah. You know, but you can get, you can, I'm living proof of it, you can get to a stage where you you don't make it about that need to, and and the need is in neediness um, to Mm. have safety, security and support. Because it's actually a lie that we need safety, security and support. It's a lie of the parts Um, Mm. because an infinite being is always safe and secure and supported. It doesn't have a narrative of I require this. Mm. And, you know, there is a difference. Uh, I mean, I know a, a sign of neediness is a desperate need of constant reassurance. Yeah. Now, that that can come in the workplace from your you need to have your supervisor constantly reassuring you. Mm. It could be in a friendship. It could be in a, a an intimate relationship. I understand that. Um, but there's also, I think, what's happened as well with this pandemic is we have fallen into the trap of needing constant reassurance from supposedly, you know, the hierarchy of governments or organizations charged with a keeping us safe and whatever other else our language is around this instead of that um the creation mode i guess so it's like we've all bunkered down and we're just waiting meanwhile nearly three years of our lives has and we've got children being 
you know, in mother's wombs being getting ready to birth, etc. We know the impact of water. So any anxiety the mother feels, the child is feeling, affects the child's biochemistry. And you can then start to see how even before they're born, they're anxious. So no wonder we're talking about another pandemic of anxiety. <laughs> Um, and then children, I've heard of friends saying their children are paranoid about washing their hands. They don't want to touch things other people have touched. And these, this is in three and four-year-olds. Yeah. And well, these, know, these are the I'm parts. Thinking, what are the, we doing? Yeah, these are the trauma parts. You know, because that, that three-year-old without that tra- traumatic experience and that part that's come in to make sure that they're safe, you know, secure and supported... And so, yeah, it's any time that we are feeling anything other than, um, you know, that spaciousness, it's it's usually a part that's arrived. And, you know, you can talk about it from a trauma perspective, but it's also personality. You know, it's, it's like you develop parts of your personality. And, um, you know, if you tell yourself something long enough, um, it'll become a truth. Mm. You know, so... If you're getting it from your parent or whatever, you know, wash your hands, wash your hands, otherwise you're going to get killed or whatever, or they see, see an ad on TV or whatever, yeah, they can, again, we talked about it, you can have one kid hearing that and they're like, no, I'm cool, you know, I'll wash my hands, yeah. I'm not going to let this, you know, they don't, even, they don't even go there. And then you've got another kid who's mm. maybe susceptible, there's a vulnerable personality there. You know, these, mm. these vulnerable personalities are, are vulnerable to all perpetration, really, and it just depends... Um. Yeah, I mean, life. So what, 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 can you do? You, do you have any views about what you think makes a vulnerable personality? A million things, because um, I believe in past life. So you know, so past life experience. You can actually just come into this world as a vulnerable personality. Um, it can be your parents. It can be exactly what's happening now. Society. You know, the pandemic. It, it can be something so simple. It can be a snake bite. You know, it's it's um, it's where there is just a choice of the being to disengage from their awareness and to choose to institute a fabricated survival system. And you know, mm. it, 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 there's so many millions of ways that would make them choose that. You know, for me, Yay. for me, I I'm, I, I recognise that. I didn't have a problem when I broke all those bones. I didn't feel unsafe or anything like that. Um, so for me, it was a stacking. Um, and then mm. with domestic violence, that's sort of what really I, I had no idea I was in a domestic violence relationship. Mine wasn't necessarily physical. Well, I changed that now because there was things that being, that were thrown around, but I wasn't physically hit. And mm. um, and so you know, so for me, that is what happened to me that I had that experience of how do I survive this? You know, yeah. and so you bring, bring in personality types of fawning, like how do I make him feel better and feel happier and, you know, um, and so then you develop that style because it, it tends to mm. work to some extent, you know, and um, then it becomes mm-hmm. your natural go-to and then you, over time, that's the one that's in the driver's seat all the time because you're getting attacked all the time and so the, yeah. the you becomes more and more separate from... Um, you know, your your connection to yourself becomes more and more separated. And then eventually, depending on the trauma, it can become so separated that you start to believe that you are that hypervigilant part or you are that paranoid part or you are that, 
you know, um, mm. narcissistic part or whatever and that none of it's true and none of it's real but sure as hell feels like it when they're in the driver's seat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really um, understand that. Um, so what do you think, you know, I think reading a, a little bit about, well, how, how do you stop being insecure and build your own self-esteem? Because another way we would say that is about, well, how do we stay connected to ourselves rather than disengaged from our own awareness, as you just talked about there? Yeah, so, I would say to acknowledge that you're not broken that you're actually, mm. you know, I read in a book about uh, this analogy and I love it and you've used it ever since, that your, your being is like the sunshine. The sun's not broken. Mm. However, when there's some dark clouds around, it can look like there's no sun at all or there's only patches of sun. So you only have access yeah. to, you know, your happy self or your, you know, your infinite self every now and then. Um, or mm. if you're incredibly traumatised, you know, and, and dissociated um, or even suffering DID, um, that's the dissociative identity disorder where it's like multiple personality that you're out of the car completely or in the boot somewhere um, mm. and you don't have access to, you know, these, these other personalities um, at mm. times. Um, it's more complex than that. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. I, I, I was laughing not some not at all about what you were talking about but, but you know sometimes it does help to have a funny name for things doesn't it or a funny tone when you speak about it to shift the energy to allow you to uh, let something else in you know just let other yeah, possibilities not, well, in humor, guess, so. humor to me is the biggest and best antidote you can choose you know mm. i've had some pretty horrific experiences and humor has saved my life <laughs> during mm. it um so yeah definitely you know it's it's good to have a laugh and I, I just think that um recognize you're not broken um there's nothing you need to fix there's no self-esteem that you need to mend you're actually okay what's happened is that you have started to believe that you're not the sun and you've started to believe that you're the clouds and so mm. your job is to start to recognize is this a part or is it actually me yeah. does this actually belong to me and the yeah. more you do that, um, and as I said, you can do it through part work. You can, there's lots of different modalities and options out there. Some faster, mm. some take longer. You know, it takes how long it takes. Um, but definitely for me, just to acknowledge that, oh, I have this hypervigilant part. It's not who I am. And so just, just mm. the acknowledgement that it's not who I am and it's a part can help. Yes. Just put that space between, excuse me, between you and it. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing, like from, from a home play point of view, I would look at what do you need? Mm. From a, not from a needy, what do you actually need? And acknowledge it. And when you're needy, acknowledge what that looks like and what part that is. You know, do you have, it, when you do need, are you sad? Is that how you control people or control the narrative or control your environment? Do you get do you get sooky? Do you get angry? How do you, what what shows up when you do needy? And mm. if possible, I'm all for people saying, "Wow, now that I've worked now that I've worked that out, I'm so sorry. That's never going to happen again." And it doesn't. You know, that's the mm. sort of person you want to be with because no one's perfect. And mm. whereas if someone's saying, "Yeah, I'll give up the alcohol," and you don't see any evidence of it, you know, you need to get out of La La Land. And start asking yeah. some questions. <laughs> but when you've got a part that's needy, like needing mm. to have a guy, 
and he's the only one available because that part is saying he's it, it's mm. tricky. You know, that sunshine can't go, hey, I'm over here going, you know, this guy's not great and let's separate and let's go choose a different, you know, creation. It doesn't, you don't yeah. have access to that awareness. You just have access to your need as in the neediness. Yeah. So that's probably also a, should be part of our home play every day is to yeah. find the vocabulary around those needs. What is it that we actually need? Yeah, and, and one of the things, like, if, you, if you're not in the driver's seat, you probably won't ask any questions. It, that's a clear sign. Mm. If you're yeah. willing to ask qualifying questions and not be worried about their response, you know, that's, that's for me, it's a red flag if you can't ask your partner or ask your mm-hmm. um, boss or, you know, mm-hmm. or even your kids. <laughs> if, you're, yeah. if, you're, if you feel like you can't ask them something, that's a red flag. And it's a red flag yeah. saying, you know, what's going on with you and your boundaries and who's in your driver's seat? Because I know that when I was in the throes of the domestic violence, it never occurred to me to ask questions. Because I didn't, no, want, I didn't want to know. Too, too intent on staying safe. That's it. That's it. Mm. You don't want to think about change. You just want to survive. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's about getting out of that haziness of the parts and, the, you know, the clouds and, mm. um, ha- and having then greater access to seeing and being you. And the, as I said, you know, I'll keep saying it, anytime you are feeling anything, any wonk, any resistance reaction, any defending for and against, it will be a part. Because mm. the, the infinite part of you does not have a need to do that. It's all about creation and generation. And unfortunately, yeah. we are looking at creating via judgment. We have to judge something right, wrong, good, bad to change it. Instead of just going, I acknowledge this is happening, what else can we create? You, yes. don't, you don't need to judge it. Yeah. And that's Gosh. what happened with they, that. Sorry, go. That's their lifetime habits, aren't they? Because yeah. the first thing we do is we make a judgment. And it, I know it comes from a place of we're judging whether we're safe and, you know, that's our first primal thing we look at is uh, you judge things on that basis but somewhere over time with the conditioning of media and beliefs and um, where where we get all our beliefs from wherever that may be um, it it has almost bastardized that that for us yeah our go-to in this reality is in order to create change you need to judge first and you don't you just create change no, Grace, do you have to make it sound so simple? <laughs> well, it's really simple when you're driving the bus, but if you've got a yeah. you know dissociated part driving the bus, it's like, sorry, I can't hear you. <laughs> so, uh, and listen, that reminds me, you know, we talked last week about me and some of my experiences as a project manager. Yeah. And it, this it's reflected here again about how do you stop? Remember I spoke about, you know, I felt a little insecure because I didn't have a degree and that somebody mm-hmm. would know more than I was and da-da-da. Yeah. Um, and when I looked at, you know, some of the things, you know, how you stop being insecure and building that self-esteem, all the things, I love what you've just talked about there for home play as well, but it was acknowledged wherever it was I read this about things you can do is about affirming your value. So yeah. don't let other people determine your value. You, yes. They may be able to influence you. Like you said to me, 
uh, it's, you know, pick somebody, not a, a, you know, an intimate partner, but somebody else for you to say, ask you questions or for you to ask them what do they see in you. And then I, I really get that happened with me, as I said, and where I started to say, really, you saw that in me? Oh, so then you start to take that on as until it becomes, you know what, that actually feels great. There's a spaciousness around that. And a couple of other things that they talked about were prioritising your needs, exactly what you've said. Um, and this was one that I don't think is so common these days because of the way, you know, things have become. It's about embracing the awkward. So those conversations, <laughs> I, love that. I know they're awkward, aren't they? It's so we will tend to you know, avoid. That's it's what, sorry? Vulnerability. It's beautiful, but it's, yeah. ah, for some people, yeah. It's awkward. So as soon as it becomes awkward, we will either dismiss it with laughter or change the subject mm. or we'll do something, yeah. hey? Yeah. And Instead I love the other thing it. you said. Exactly. Yeah. And the, another thing was about challenging your thoughts, which, mm. um, as you said, if you're in the driver's seat, it's not a problem. You just ask a different question. <laughs> yeah. But if you make yourself wrong for getting to where you're at in life and thinking, oh, if only I had done, said, bleh, bleh, then yeah, life would be know. different. Life mm. would have worked. Yeah. So thank you for that. I've I've enjoyed today that <laughs> little conversation with you. I appreciate it. I love what it. you just said. I, I love that. That just puts it in a neat package. Well, thank yeah. you. <laughs> we wrapped it up together. Hey? Yeah. Well, I, so, I, I, well, the only thing I wanted to say about that, that I re yeah. it was just around the recognition of you as a gift and, um, and what happens a lot of the time when we're in our parts is we're so needy to get that validation that that in itself pushes people away. And um, if you're willing to see the gift in you, others will too. Yes, yes. And that has a lovely feel about it, doesn't it, when you mm. just accept you yeah. as the gift. God, yeah. you know, now you're making it easy because really that's it. If you could actually get to a place of total allowance for you, what a, what a, mm. what a gift that would be walking on the earth. <laughs> oh, yes. that's And that's what they say. It starts with each of us, doesn't it? Yeah, just like that lady walking in mm. and being a different invitation for her son she got out of her own way and she didn't make any of his parts significant and she mm. was in total allowance and things changed yes instantly yeah it almost you know that's like the water and the, the baby in the womb and everything everything just changes yeah. when the yeah i love it mm. change the energy change your life change oh that's a nice way to finish thank you <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks a lot, Grace, and we'll chat next week, okay? Yeah, okay. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Have a beautiful week. Bye.